0: Toi tū te whenua, ngā ranaro te tangata, um, the whenua will provide everything that we need. We just have to trust in it, we just have to believe in our mātouranga and our tūpuna our uh, te hao Māori. hokitata ki te taha Māori, e ruta te tanga. Mea en tuarua, nā o taku tūpuna ko pōroa, e whakatauki tōna, keu uh, ki te whakapono, kia aroha tētahi ki tētahi. And then they're it, I believe it means it said, be strong enough and brave enough to speak the truth and speak with great honesty and openness. That you are prepared to uh, be challenged, but uh, always do it with uh, belief that you're doing it for the right reasons,
1: for for your faʻa and for your iwi.
2: Reuben Taipari Noa Murifenua.
1: Start off with definition of affordable housing. By definition in Hawaii affordable is if a household spends less than 30% of their income on shelter and utilities. That's a big bite. Um, Then they have definition for if you're spending more than 30%, it's cost burden. If you're spending more than 50%, it's called a severe cost burden. Ultimately, I would say most of Hawaii's people are at that, that juncture spending more than 50% of their income for
3: housing.
2: Bob Hall from Ōkai Pacific. Kanohe, Hawaii.
3: Papa Papakainga, we built four one-bedroom kaumatua flats in 1987. Then there was a long hiatus, um, which really reflects how difficult it was over that period to find funding to build houses. And I think those ones in 1987 were, um, uh, came under the Māori housing scheme. Uh, Māori Affairs
2: Housing Scheme. Company Director of Papakainga Solutions Limited, Victoria Kingi.
0: Some six, I think it's six years ago, this is the fourth um, conference and it's held every two years. But it was initiated back in 2010 for the purposes of getting Māori into their own homes and uh, into their own homes, which are principally built on their own land, their own whenua.
2: Each person has all been involved at the front line of creating and building better housing solutions for their people. As house prices continue to rise in areas such as Wellington, Queenstown, Hamilton and Tauranga, the average house price in the country is now just under $500,000. Almost double that in Auckland alone. At the end of the scale is homelessness. Te Puia Marae and Mangere Auckland open their doors for months to feed, clothe and place families into suitable accommodation. In tonight's episode of Te Ahika, we talk about housing with highlights from the National Māori Housing Conference held in Tauranga this year. I'm with Ruben Taipari, who talks about building whare uku, or homes made of clay, on his ancestral land in the north. And I'm with CEO of He Korowai Trust, Ricky Horton, who is set to add 10 more homes to their papakainga project in Kaitaia. I'm Justine Murray, and this is Te Ahika. To get an idea of how Papakainga housing works, there is a myriad of issues to contend with. Multiple ownership of land and consents, increased cost to get connected to wastewater or phone or power if the area is semi-rural, and navigating administrative bodies, local councils and banks' lending criteria. All of that before the first clump of soil is turned. Victoria Kingi has been at the front line of Papakainga housing, most recently with the Mangatawa Papamoa blocks. Established in 1987, so far 36 homes have been built in the area. The construction of the homes was completed in various stages, as Victoria explains at the National Māori Housing Conference held in September this year.
3: In 2010 we built 10 two-bedroom kaumatua flats. That was Uh, utilising, actually that was a partnership with Housing New Zealand, so the interesting thing with each of these phases is there have been different financial and funding arrangements for each of them, Um, and then in 2013 uh, we built two more two bedroom homes, that came out of um, just an opportunity through the social housing unit at that time, uh, there was funding available left over and we were just in the right place at the right time, prepared I guess. 2014 12 four bedroom um, whanau homes and those whanau moved into their homes in January this year um, and then 8 kainga Finua homes are planned for the balance in the papakainga and I think all up there are about 36 houses together so we've got a nice mix of kaumatua, whanau um, rental and home ownership happening there you know there, there's something in that we often try to do it ourselves <coughs> we often try to do it on the smell of an oily rag because we have to And then sometimes we just become obsessed that it has to be a Māori, it has to be a Māori architect, it has to be a Māori builder, it has to be a... No, it doesn't. We want the best people to give us the best advice and support because we deserve it. And we also need more Pūtia to be able to access that. So I just want to acknowledge Frank... Where are you, Frank? From Babbage, who we go to often pretty much 99% of the time now as an architect who understands what we need.
2: Papakainga is a cluster of homes built on Māori land. The vision for Mungatawa Papamoa was to build homes for single, kaumātua or elderly, and large families.
3: We consulted with our kaumātua, of course, because their needs are important. I have been to a conference in Fremantle where I listened to a contractor talking about providing housing for an Aboriginal community, and never once mentioned the community, and then found out that they never even engaged with that community to figure out what they needed. Um, and I just found that um, just amazing that that could happen. Really important we engage with our people and that the houses we build reflect their needs. So they did the earthworks, our whanau. We looked for opportunities to um, to engage them. It's difficult, too. You've got to remember if you've got a big project and you're tendering, there is... There are market expectations around how you manage um, your engagement in that because it has to be at arm's length. You want to be credible, you want to be professional, so you have to come up with, with ways to um, enable your people to work on those projects without compromising the integrity of that process. And then we, of course, we looked for rangatahi from, um, who were in the trades to work on, on our projects as well. Um, this has progressed now to the point where Mangatawa and Naportiki, who are um, almost synonymous, but um, in terms of having the same membership, uh, are working closely together to deliver some of these social outcomes in terms of Tangatahi through the trades. So Naportiki is part of a consortium with the BOP Polytech, mm-hmm. and are encouraging our, the students there out into these projects. And we had our first two apprentice, apprentices. Appointed um a couple of months ago, so that program's only been going a year. So these are our beautiful homes for our komatua. This is Auntie Eva's place. She's our poster girl. Are you in here, Auntie Ebba? No. Um, if um anyone asks to go up and have a look at the Papa Auntie Eva's always accommodating, so she's she's the boss. i uh, just want to say, you know, our housing doesn't have to be cheap and nasty, we can win awards. Uh, thanks, Frank. So Babbage won an architectural award for the houses. That's great. So this is sort of the structure of how that, that, that housing worked in terms of funding and finance. So a grant from Housing New Zealand and then a loan from Housing New Zealand secured against the houses. A 15-year lease back, which means Mangatawa does get a market rent but can rent them to uh, our kaumatua at a at, a, at a least the market rent. That's, that has now transitioned over to MSD, um, and that transition um, has, was awesome. I have to say that the collaboration with Mangataua MSD here locally was really good. And so where we're at now, we've got 38 kids in that papakainga now, and we need a playground. And we need some funding, so if any of the sponsors want to koha to our playground... <laughs> That would be great. Um, we, we do need a playground. And Mangatawa has kept the rugby field up the top because we know those kids are going to grow up and they're going to need to play somewhere else as well. So that's, that's us. That's the papakainga. I want to introduce Jay Walters, um, who is our uh, incorporation secretary and who is the glue that now keeps this papakainga in shape um, from an administrative um, and tenancy management point of view.
2: I've been kaimahi with Mangatawa for a few years now and I've been fortunate to walk alongside Mangatawa's trustees and the shareholders in the uh, development of its papakainga from inception um, to its fruition. So we laid out some criteria in terms of the four one-bedroom Komatua units that we have. Uh, we look at um, shareholders and beneficiaries who are 55 years plus, uh, one to two occupants, one-bedroom homes, and they're independent in living. Uh, and we look for a fair distribution between Fano groups within the shareholders, uh, just so that we've got a, a, an equilibrium throughout the um, shareholder database for our Fano that live in the papakainga. And we have fixed we- weekly rentals on those, those units. Papakainga housing can be a lengthy and costly process. In the end, however, some of the benefits include being able to offer affordable and warm homes and also where family can reconnect back into their marae, or their community. In 2008, Reuben Taipari was introduced to Dr Kepa Morgan, who had been building Fare uku, or homes using clay or rammed earth, for a few years. It's a project that Ruben believes will be the answer to many housing issues in the country.
0: Our people up in the muri wheno, we're very industrious, you have to be, we're isolated. So we're, we're cross, we do all sorts of things. And one of them is we do our own mahi buildings, we build our own Kuanga we build our own kora we build our own towns. So we're, we're used to doing that type of thing. So the transition into um, what's our, what, what do our people need? Oh, we've got no homes. 30 years on and we can't afford a fare, we can't afford to stay on our own finwa. can't afford to live together. And we says ah, kare pai, we can't accept that. We've got to come up with our own solutions. And I just had happened to be, I was a trustee at the North Environment Centre for uh, about 15 years, been Chaki uh, Taiau, Chaki Moana, Eramau. And uh, they were actually talking about this, uh, different solutions out there. The norm that we're used to timber housing—that's uh, a standard housing that everybody knows—and then there were all these new concepts, which actually old traditional uh, housing solutions thousands of years ago. We're all coming back, so we got introduced to each other and then I met up with uh, Dr. Kipper Morgan he had been doing it for a long time as well, nearly 20 years he had been researching it, done his PhD on earth housing which is what Wharehiku is all about, using the clay medium as the material to build the house and uh, they came up to us in uh, Te Hiku Asked if we'd be interested in participating in a program in a project uh, to to bring it up north. Says, oh yeah, absolutely. So we were the uh, guinea pigs. We were guinea the one, pigs. Yeah, we we're the ones who who are prepared to do it. We're committed, and we we had some building experience, and that's how we got introduced to it. Uh, that was back in 2008. In 2010, we finished our first Fariuku and since then we've done six more and, and we're still doing all the other mediums as well, the standard timber homes, and there's this new type of uh, modular homes that are coming in, prefabs, all of that, we're just trying anything and everything to, to, to get our people healthy again. Through them and through Kipper Morgan, professor at the University of Auckland, they came up and they offered us an opportunity to try a different type of housing solution. Um, that was at the University of Auckland and uh, the now uh, successful uh, Dr John Chia, a Malaysian Kiwi boy, who done his PhD with us. We experienced a great realm, a great new vision of uh, healthy, efficient housing for our people, for our people. Um, uh, and through that we created an Aikaroa Trust. Uh, Kepa is the uh, founding co uh, matua, matua for us. unfortunately he's in Colorado. Uh, still emailing me and moaning about something that's happening over here down in Wellington, sorry Wellington but yeah you're not very helpful sometimes chief but he's just saying like well isn't, we're still doing our mahi we're still working together but just the examples and we do lots of things, tanga we take very responsible when we talk about our home it's not just those four walls and a roof It's the it's the river it's the it's the infrastructure that connects you to that river, and that river connects you to that moana, and that moana connects you to your tupuna. So it's a holistic thing. So we have to think about the entire hapuri, the entire whenua, the rohe as our home, and bring that back to our people. Fareoku is spreading. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting because the 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 factors of its uh, efficiency is phenomenal. It retains
2: the heat, I've lived in one
0: for 10 years and we didn't even have a fire this winter. We don't have fires. And in the summers we don't have air conditioners and anything like that. We don't need any of those because the thermal mass property of the clay as a um, source of energy. It it actually collects energy and releases energy, collects water, releases water. That's what the medium does in order to create life and for the plants, etc., to to attach to and give them that right medium for growth. It does exactly the same concept, even though it's now a standing stable wall, it still has the same uh, characteristics. It still collects moisture, releases moisture, collects heat, reduces, releases. It still is a breathing, living material, and that's the phenomenal thing about it. It reduces the, uh, the costs and the maintenance over a long period on the whānau who's living in there. So reduction in cost, reduction in maintenance is a huge asset. It's not just about having affordable housing, it's about having uh, sustainable housing.
2: But you have the luxury of space. Something like Auckland doesn't. So
0: how does that work? Oh, me pātai. Māman re kainga. hoki E rari So he's saying come home. Yeah, come home come home because I believe that home is where the whenua is. We have great opportunities to develop their land. Our whenua and our communities, our people and our whānau, our, our whakapapa and our ranga it's such a huge source, resource that nobody appreciating or nobody identifies as so important. And right now, as you can see, with the, uh, the lack of uh, solutions that are out there, especially delivered by government and park services, means that we have to turn to solutions that used to work for us. And we used to be healthy. We used to be strong and independent. Why aren't we like that again? I think we need to go back to uh, understanding the teachings and the mātūranga of our tūpuna. What's the process like if I'd like to build a whare uku on my papakainga? How does that work? Yes, it's quite a difficult challenge. We've been fighting that fight for a long time up in the Tehuku area to get them on board the council. Basically, the reason why I can talk to you today is because I've gone through the engineering specifications. I have gone through the building consent process. I have got legitimate architects and um, engineers to do our build. The reason why i done it in the first place because I realised that unless I go through that process, I would not be allowed to share this corridor to the next Vano and to the next whānau. That's one of the reasons why I did it. However, I must say that um, there has been improvements dealing with the uh, building officers, the content officers. They've given me a great source of information on how to improve the build that we had, top um, air tightness, better thermal capacity, all of these kind of things, understanding topography. It's been an interesting experience. And uh, council, they want their cut, just like everybody. Government wants their cut. Me, I just want to look after our people. So I'll do whatever it takes. If the people want to go through that, I'll talk to them. If they don't want to go through that, they want to express their sovereignty, express their tenoranga tiratanga, I'll help them too.
2: Uh, tina nō no tātou katoa, uh, e tikana te kōrero mate atu tētahi, te, te uh, ka aramai tētahi anō. Nō no reira, ko te wā, he au huri hoki tēnei, e he, he, he te maha hoki o ngā mea a tātou, te iwi Māori, uh, me mahi hoki a hoki a koutou, te iwi kainga. E te, e, he wahine a no Ngāti Hine, uh, e tika na te kōrero uh, Ruben, he taonga tō tātou nei whenua. Uh, he t- Hini uh, no hotirene, Ruben's partner, says that succession planning is important. She agrees with Ruben's notion that the land is precious and encourages everybody to stay strong. About 10 kilometres away from Ahipara is Kaitaya, and it's there that He Korowai Trust CEO Ricky Horton has also set up affordable housing in the far north. The refurbished homes relocated from Auckland opened to families this year. And although they are full, the Trust have plans to add 10 more to the area.
4: So there's 17 adults and 43 children in these homes now. Um, And within the next three months we hope to bring up another 10. The schools open, Um, the buildings that we brought up uh, um, for the school are are all refurbished Um, We've got uh, of Fitnesses and there's 26 babies enrolled there and in the next um, three months we'll be moving up another 10 homes for another 10 families that um, uh, are living in some of the most horrible living conditions and it's an opportunity for them to hop onto the bottom rung of home ownership. I'm excited about that.
2: Why can't they do what you're doing in the far north in Auckland where it's obvious that homes are needed?
4: Yeah, I I don't know the answer to that. Um, What I do know is um, um, I do what I do because I make homelessness and home ownership and housing a priority. I'm sure if it was given the priority that it rightfully deserves, it would get more attention. They rebuilt uh, Christchurch in a matter of years, and that was a whole city. Um, I'm sure they could um, fix the housing problem if they really wanted to.
2: CEO of He Trust, Ricky Horton says that when it comes to addressing issues of homelessness, it's not just a government issue. Uh,
4: It's everybody's problem, because uh, it's not just a a government problem, but I think it's all of our problem. But what has happened is is that um, um, we all need to make it a priority, and only once you make it a priority does it get the attention, respect and resourcing that it needs. And so we can fix the homelessness in Auckland, but we must make them and the families, uh, and Māori in particular, a priority. Is homelessness an issue in the far north? Uh, It's a seasonal uh, issue. I mean, the next couple of months when it's fine, everybody's at the beach. (laughs) Um, All the families are home for Christmas and uh, communities swell by up to 400%. In spite of that, uh, everybody gets on just fine. Um, Homelessness, there's... um, 150,000 acres of undeveloped, underutilised and unused Māori land. Um, And so we need to be moving, there's 600 homes over the next five years coming out of Auckland. Um, And if um, the hope is, is that we can get a few of those for the families to relocate back onto their ancestral land so we can reconnect their umbilical cord back to their family, back to their whānau and back to their future.
2: How does housing issues affect other indigenous cultures? Bob Hall has a background in strategic planning, project management, sustainability in housing and community development. Here he provides a snapshot into the housing market and housing growth in Hawaii.
1: I am Native Hawaiian uh, by definition. I am a 90% Native Hawaiian blood and 10% English blood, thus the last name Hall. My career with uh, housing has been 33 years working for the state of Hawaii government working for the Department of Hawaiian Homelands, which administers the Native Hawaiian Land Trust, as well as working for state housing, which handles everything else, rental housing, rental subsidies, housing development, as well as market development homes. I'm retired now, and I do whatever my wife says to do. <laughs> Basically because of the cost of housing, and you'll see it throughout my presentation. In essence... Your income determines what you can afford. The terminology affordable housing is somewhat not affordable in Hawaii. The housing components that I want to share with you is Hawaii consists of a little over 4 million acres of land. And there's land designations which basically says what the land can be used for. These are set up by government laws and pretty much requires government to change uh, the designation. So of the 4 million or so acres, 48% is designated conservation, 47% is designation, designated as agricultural, meaning for farming, and 5% basically designated for urban. Of all the land in Hawaii, 70% is owned by three major landowners. This includes the federal government, it includes the state of Hawaii and all its land assets, including the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. And it includes the Bishop Estate Trust, which is an $8 billion trust established by uh, Princess Bernice uh, Pawahi, whose sole mission is basically to, to educate the native Hawaiian children. Housing in Hawaii. Uh, the last uh, report in 2013 is that there was about 450,000 housing units Uh, occupying the state of Hawaii for a a total of 1.4 million people living in the state of Hawaii. That's based on the latest latest demographic and census take. It's expected that by the year 2025, at least 65,000 more homes will be needed to accommodate the existing as well as growing population. And Hawaii is only developing 2,000 units per year. This is All of Hawaii. This is all of housing. This is not just native housing. Uh, I'm trying to carve the picture for you on what housing is like in Hawaii. The concept of land also is a little bit different uh, for most people in Hawaii versus the cultural definition. Um, Most people see land as pure real estate. Whereas our native culture, they view land as real estate, but they also view it for its spiritual content. And there is a growing, you know, uh, internal battle, external battle, between those who look at land more spiritually than real estate. And there's a challenge to make sure that the right amount of development is done without losing the spiritual content and cultural awareness that the land provides. Condominium is probably where Hawaii is going to be, what Hawaii is going to be using to address its affordable housing issue. You can't go horizontal anymore. There's hardly any more land. Um, well, I take that back. Our, we have an uh, active volcano on the big island of Hawaii that's actually creating more land. So in 2,000 years from now, we'll solve our housing problem. So every, everything is going vertical. Everything is going high rise. Hawaii is at a 40-story um, building limit. And, and more and more buildings are constantly going up. Um, if you're a long-time resident of Hawaii like myself, it's hard to see. It's hard to see places where you grew up no longer there. You worry about whether or not the amount of high rises will influence the wind coming from the mountains, thus the sea going in, and you, you really don't know. But then you, you also feel a soft heart for locals who have no place to go, and they have to rely on, on what's available. Anyway, it is an ongoing dilemma and challenge for us. On the low-income side, um, define low-income, meaning those that are paying 50% or more of their rent. There's approximately 22,000, maybe 23,000 units that were government-built, private-built, that are occupied by people of lower income. Um, These also include government-built and subsidized public housing, where you only pay 30% of your rent to stay in housing, and the rest of the cost is subsidized by either state or federal monies. Um, Those are for extremely low families. Some families um, who can barely afford uh, public assistance, that's where they usually end up, and that's a whole dilemma of social challenges itself that it presents. Um, Then we have what I call the, the, the spectrum, or the range on the bottom, for those that are homeless. Hawaii has currently about 30 shelters. It is a growing problem for us in Hawaii, and problem in the sense that people just don't have places to stay. Uh, local people are you know, are tapped out on the income that they can afford. They, they can't stay in the units that they are. Some are faced with families who have multiple challenges, drug trials, and they get thrown out of the places where they are, and there's not a quick fix. Um, glad to say that the state and the counties in Hawaii are working on a housing first initiative to try to address the the, um, amount of homeless. But there's currently a little over 6,000 people that they count. You know, because of Hawaii's beauty, we also attract homeless from the rest of the country. Um, And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's hard to balance out the needs for our locals when the planes continue to come. Our weather is constantly 75 degrees all year round. We wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between winter and summer because it's kind of constant. And Hawaii provides you know, a perfect background for living on the streets. It's not a good thing. We need to help solve that problem. What's missing in this continuum is mid-level housing, that middle step that, okay, I can make this much, but that's too much of a climb for me to get to those big in expensive houses where is the apartment where is that affordable unit that i can graduate to you know earn more money until i can get to that higher level uh, achievement there is nothing like that in hawaii right now the spectrum is is broken it's splintered either up here or you here and it's very challenging for those in the middle that are trying to get you know uh, better accommodations the process for developing housing in hawaii it's, it's a journey. Um, land is either owned, purchased, or leased. And once you have land, if you want to build a house on that land, you have to get that designation changed uh, if it's agriculture or conservation. Uh, in order to do that, you have to go through a series of hearings. You've got to go to the Public Utilities Commission. That's what the acronym PUC for. There's a land a use board that you need to go through. That process in itself can take anywhere from two to five years, the government process, just to get the rezoning done of that particular parcel of land. Bob
2: Hall from Okai Pacific, Kanawhi, Hawaii. In part two of the series about papakainga, building homes on Māori-owned land, I'm with Ngati Kahu, a hapū and Tauranga Moana who are on the cusp of opening their papakainga homes, 12 homes to be exact. Ngarenoa Rewati Ngata talks about even installing ultra-fast broadband.
3: We actually got that put on as well, so it was a little bit of an extra cost. But we got it put on for, like, 24 homes, not just 12. Because mm. we're looking ahead, like, stage two would be over there. Stage three would be over there, you know. So more
2: and, homes popping up,
3: eh? Yeah, that, well, that's...
2: Of course, we we're, we're probably popping up pieces by then. This is our 50-year plan. <laughs> So you've got to so think about succession. Yeah, we're thinking about, you know, in the future. We, we need to put things in place in the future. That's next week.